0: Hey, let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for this time together today. Oh, Lord, you're just so good and just uh oh, Wow Wow, wow, wow. You know, I just think of that verse for God you know, the, the most in a sense the most well known verse that we so treat so tritely, but for God so loved the world. For God so loved Trent that He sent His only begotten Son that I could become a son of God. Father, I just thank you for that. I just thank you that that reality will never grow dim in our hearts. Father, that you would reignite it constantly. Father, that we would position ourselves, that we would never live out of the mundane, but that we would live out of the incredible adventure of being sons and daughters, of extending the kingdom of God. And Father, just this morning, as I just share some of the realities of the resurrection, I pray just anoint these words, allow them, Father, to be igniters of fire and passion again. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. You know, Romans 6.11, there's this amazing verse that says, Likewise you also. So that's you guys. So what he's been doing is, if you know Romans, Romans is a great book. It's one of the books where Paul had not been. It was a church that Paul had never visited so it's really a good insight. I mean, in the other letters of Paul, when you read them, they're, they're pastoral letters, they're apostolic letters to a father to the church, and and telling them, you know, what to do and what not to do, how to care for them. But Romans is a little bit different, and that Paul never visited them, so he really wanted to outlay some of the things, a clarification of what Jesus Christ had done. And so you get this amazing teaching on on what Christ had done. And and in Romans four, five, and six, he's talking about faith. He's talking about Abraham, the the father of faith and and go through and talks about what's happened and what Christ has done and then he finally gets to this place where he says about how Christ had died and he'd risen again and then this is his response for us what how do we respond we're celebrating resurrection Sunday we're celebrating resurrection how do we respond to it he says likewise you also so he's says, okay, team, this is what we do. This is how we look at ourselves. Reckon, yourself, sorry, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the same way, count yourself dead. Dead to the sin nature, dead to the practice of sin, dead to the penalty of sin. This is all the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things in the church, we, we can often get so consumed about trying to manage what we consider our sin. But Paul says, listen, listen, that's finished. It's dead. We now live in a life open to God and powerful to God. You see, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. Account yourself alive to Jesus Christ. Account yourself alive to Jesus Christ. You see, many people have, almost have a relationship in the death of Jesus Christ, and that they go to the cross and they ask forgiveness for their sins and they put themselves in that place of, of repentance and of, of, you know, Lord, I failed again. But, but Paul says, no, 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 that's all gone. He's saying that in the resurrection, count yourself alive to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, that's, that's the reality of what we've got to identify. We are His. And we've got to learn to identify ourselves not just with his death, not just with the cross, which is incredibly powerful. Mine, but we've also got to identify ourselves with the resurrection and the extension, that he is seated in heavenly places. The Bible, Paul goes in another book and talks about us being seated in heavenly places. You see, it's not just about coming to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's a powerful thing, and and we need to do that. But we've got to go through the cross, through into resurrection power and to ascension glory. That's where we're supposed to live. That's what we're called to do, to pull on the resurrection side of the cross, to understand, to live in resurrection realities. And this morning, what I want to do is I just want to talk about three resurrection realities things that we, we get when we, we live in that place of understanding the power of the resurrection. You see, one of the things that we've got to understand that we have been taken out of the realm of religion. We've been taken out of the realm of religion and put into the place of a personal resurrection experience. It's one of the things that God sent his son to do was to actually destroy the works of religion. Nicodemus, a, a, a very a, a wonderful, faithful man, clearly from the scripture, but he was a religious man. And, and he comes at night, he's afraid of being seen and he, he comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do? This religious guy, this priest, and he, and he understands that although he's been doing all the right religious stuff, I mean, he's ticked all the boxes. He's gone to church on Sunday. He's tithed. He, he's gone to the prayer meetings. He's done all. He does this every day with Jesus. He's, he's ticked all the boxes. It's great. But he knows that there's still something. And he says, Jesus, what do I need to do? I've done all this religious stuff. I've, I've memorized the scripture. I've done this. But I know there's something missing in my heart. What is it? What is it? And Jesus says, You've got to be born again. In other words, it wasn't a religious practice. It was about inner transformation that would happen through faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, that's the glory of the cross. Oh, I just found Pete's. That's the glory of the cross. It's not a belief system, it's not a moral code, it's not about behavior. See, listen, I don't want one of you to try to be good. Ooh. (laughs) Tony's going, hot dog, I'm in here. No, just settle down, Tony. Because you see, it's not about trying to be good. It's about learning to be Jesus and being transformed from the inside. And we've reduced it to a whole lot of religion. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to behave. You've got to be nice. You've got to be, you know... And what happens is we suck the life out of Christianity. We suck the life out of ourselves because we're so busy trying to be good that we've forgotten how to enjoy Jesus. You see, the Christian life is about dying to our old self. It's about being buried in baptism, which leads to identification with the closure, the death of Jesus, and also the finality of your old man. It's a funeral service, which, by the way, we've got at the end of this month. Another funeral service, a baptismal service. It's, it's, a, it's a, because it's a, bat- what do I do? Yeah, am I okay? Cool. <laughs> Because sometimes my mouth gets ahead of my brain, and I like to try to kind of say, keep them connected, but they don't always work, and so I'm never too sure what I'm... Anyhow, so yeah, we've got a burial service at the end of this month, because, and, and you know what? It's a burial service, but it's also a resurrection service, because it's about new life. It's about new life. You see, we identify with Jesus Christ on the cross, but not only did he die for me, I died with him. I have been crucified with Christ, it says in Galatians 2.20. Therefore, therefore, I no longer live. This is what takes it out of religion. It's no longer I that live. I have been crucified with Christ. It's about relationship with Christ Jesus, about identifying with Christ Jesus, about belief in Christ Jesus. You see, when he went into the ground, I went into the ground through baptism. And to show that I've gone in the ground and it's all over, I'm dead. Not partially dead, not somewhat dead, not mostly dead, totally dead. And he was made alive by the power of God. And in the same way, we have the beauty of those resurrection realities now. You see, you need to understand that it's been more than forgiven. And I mean, hey, listen... Being forgiven is a pretty good deal, huh? Being forgiven is a pretty good deal. But you know what? There's more. It's like the gingy knives. But hey, wait, there's more. Because there is. There is more. There is more. You see, we haven't just been forgiven. We've been recreated. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty good about the fact that I've been recreated. I might, you still might be looking at the old Trent and going, no, not so much. But I tell you that inside I have been recreated by the power of God. Because every single one of us who has faith in Jesus Christ has had that. You know? and It's so important that we understand that. You know, there are so many verses in the Bible. In fact, it's just a great study. If you just sit down and take a a couple of hours and just go through the the New Testament and look at all the verses, there are a whole lot in the Old Testament too, but just the verses of the New Testament about the new man, the new creation, you begin to see how significant that is. You know, the Greek Greek, um, word for it is kainos. And it speaks of a new type, a new order, a new variety, something that's never, ever been before, totally new. And that's what happens. You see, we as a people are not just a whole lot of people trying to live a good life. We actually are a tribe of a new creation on planet Earth. Do you realize that? You have become a new creation, a new type of created being. That's so significant. But, but you know, let, let's get real with this. See, if I was just forgiven, then it would be nice. But you see, what happens is so often we, we and that's where we live, we try to, we, we're forgiven and then we try to, to, to keep living and start over again and try harder and try harder and try harder. And and so many of us have really lived like that. Come to God and knowing that He's loving and He's merciful and He's forgiven and He forgives all our sins and He cleans me up. And, and then I try hard again. I go back and I try to work it harder and, and keep working and keep going and, and, and you know and trying to do and and, and do this and do that and, and, and do everything else and you know what? Jesus and just keep going. And Paul said he counts all that stuff, do do. Paul said he counted all that stuff due to compared to the excellencies of knowing Christ. You see, it's not just the glory of the cross. It's the excellencies of knowing Christ because what Christ has done for us, I am dead to my old self. I am dead to my old nature. I'm buried with him in baptism, so it can't come back. And what's more, I am raised to him in newness of life. So God gives us this resurrection life now. That's the other thing. It's now. You know, it's not about waiting. When I first got saved, it was kind of, you know, save us prayer, ask Jesus in your heart, okay, now try to live a good life, good luck, and hopefully you'll make it until you die and go to heaven. And that was kind of the Christian life. But do you realize that we have been given resurrection life now? We're to live in this place of power and blessing. And this is some of the realities that I want to talk about this morning of what Christ has done for us. He's brought us into this place of life. The old has passed away and behold, all things, it says, has become new. The word old there is "archios." We get archaeology, ancient, those sorts of words from. It does mean that. It means ancient things, primordial things, things that were in the very beginning. In other words, the state you were born in has been done away with through the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, you were born into the Adams family. (laughs) And all of you that just laugh, shame on you. (laughs) No, no, you were born into the line of Adam. We were born in the Adamic state. We were born into the the mortality of Adam. In other words, we were just mankind. But what happened through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is we transfer from the old Adam to the last Adam. Not a new Adam, the last Adam, because he has once and all dealt with it, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are now part of God's family. You are partakers of the divine nature. You are a new creature. You're not just a cleaned up one. You're not just a forgiven one. This is not some kind of divine cover up where God's kind of just put put something over you. He doesn't cover up your sin. He doesn't pay it off. He takes it completely and utterly away because he changes the very nature of who you are. God makes a new man. A new type of creation after the order of his own son, Jesus Christ. That's who you have been made after. Jesus. He's the prototype. He's the prototype. Jesus Christ. He makes sons and daughters from those who are strangers and aliens, it says. And we need to understand that this makes it more than just religion. Religion. This is the glory and magnificence of what God has accomplished through his great love. I'm going to hammer this home again and again because we need to get it into our hearts. I've been a Christian for know if that many years. And <laughs> even today, I'm still in, in absolute awe daily at what he's done for me because it's so breathtakingly amazing. On the cross, Jesus Christ was not, uh, he, he was crucified not only sin and all its effects, but the very sin nature that controlled me. It's gone. That he might give me and you God's nature. We have God's DNA in us. Does that excite you? Okay, three resurrection realities I just want to touch on this morning. The first one is in Romans five, verse 17. "For it is by the trespass of one man death reigned through the, that one man." How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? What he's saying there is he's saying, Romans 5 is talking about the old Adam family. And, and he's saying that literally death reigned in your life. Death was the supreme control. How did it reign in you? Because it says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, the best that we could do, the best of our goodness, the best of our righteousness, still ended up in death. It's like my philosophy about health. You can get really healthy and fit and buff, okay? What happens? You just die, really healthy, fit and buff. So I'm not putting in the work into it. <laughs> That's going to get me lots of emails. Hey, <laughs> my wife's not here, so I can get away with it. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but the reality is, that it ends in death. You know, however much we try, whatever we do, it ends in death, it says in Romans 5. It ends in death. It doesn't matter how good I am. I'm just going to die. It's not going to result in anything but death. But when we have Jesus Christ, it all changes. It all changes. It no longer ends in death, but it ends in life, eternal life. You know, one of the things that the Bible talks about is righteousness. It's a term that we don't use in the English language or in our, la- in our conversation much today. And when we do do it, we think about uh, righteousness as doing right. But you know, really, righteousness is, a, is a, it's about being right. Being right with the world, being right with yourself, being right with God it 's that place of uh, peace and harmony, that place of of being in sync, if you like, would be another way of saying it in the right state with your family, in the right state with with everyone around you and and the Bible says that righteousness, that place of being in total sync, the righteousness of God, is actually a gift in the person of Jesus Christ, and you know that 's an incredible gift that we have been made right with everybody around us that 's the first Reality of the resurrection. We have been made right. We have been made right with God, the Father. We have been made right with those around us. It's a a radical act of grace that comes and brings life to us. Righteousness is the first gift of resurrection reality. It's saying in that moment of radical grace, in that moment of radical faith, you have been made right. You have been made right. But again, it's not just right for a moment. It's not just right for a second. It's not just right in that instant of forgiveness. You, it's, then you, you can easily mess up again. What it's saying is that we have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We've been made new in our inner man and been transformed by the very righteous grace of God. And this is good news because this is the fundamental thing that's been with mankind is that we do not know how to be righteous because if we don't understand how that, we, we can't enter into proper relationships. But our first resurrection reality is that through the blood of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection, the resurrection power, we now become righteous with God. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "He has made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him." God made him the man Jesus Christ, who had no sin to become sin, so we could be. So he, so he, um, so that the sinners, he could take the sinners, you and I, and make them righteous. have the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Not only righteous in a moment, but righteous in their very nature. See, that brings freedom. That brings peace. Because it means no longer in our very core are we living in that place of desperation, but we're living from a place of total and utter acceptance with God. That's who we've become. Righteous. Righteous. You know, we have imputed righteousness, it talks about. Imputed righteousness, it's a theological term. And what it means is that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus Christ. It's like you have a shield around you, a shield of Jesus. That when he looks at you, that you have been made in that place of Jesus Christ. The one who has made sin became sin. So the one who had no righteousness could become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So first to be in that state of being that I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. And then secondly, there's an imparted righteousness. In other words, God gave you his righteousness. It's so powerful. It's so powerful that been, it's been imparted into us that we have the righteousness of God. We have been made clean forever. You see, you know, do you realize that you do not have a sin nature? Your sin nature died on the cross. Now you have sin habits, but the sin doesn't control you. You know, so often we think, well, I just can't help it because that's who I am. No, it's not who you are. That's a lie of the enemy. You may have habits that you need to get rid of in your life, but fundamentally, God has made you righteous, which means he's given you the power to live from that place of righteousness. And so if you're in a place where you're struggling with anything today, there's a power of Jesus Christ through the righteousness of God that's been imputed and imparted to you to know freedom from that thing, whatever it is in your life. there. The second thing is fullness. The second reality is fullness. Colossians 2 verses 9 and 10 says this, For in Christ Jesus all the fullness of the deity or Godhead lives in bodily form. In other words, all of God, the Father, the essence of God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit was resident in Jesus while he was on earth. In other words, when he was living as man he was able to live in a place where he walked in the fullness of God. Well, why is that so important? Because of what happens to you through the new creation. And what happens to you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is this, because it goes on. So the first part is this, for in Christ Jesus all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Then the next verse says this, and you have been given fullness in Christ. You have been given fullness in Christ. You have been given the righteousness of Christ. You have been given the fullness of Jesus Christ. That is what made you a new creation. That's what changed totally everything. No longer are you mortal trying to live up to a God standard. You have been given the fullness of God. The fullness of God abides in you. The very fullness of God that was in Jesus Christ now resides in you. Wow. Wow. Ephesians chapter three, magnificent prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that you might grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know his love it surpasses knowledge. And then he says why? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The measure that we are called to walk in, it says here, is the fullness that is in God. All the fullness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but when, you read, when I first read that, I thought, come on, get out of here. <laughs> it must be a misprint. I mean, the fullness of God, how can that be? How can that be? I mean, what does it look I know my wife would like to certainly see it being manifested, you know? The, the, the presence of God, how does it go? You see, we understand from Scripture that we've been given fullness, are we currently walking in the measure of fullness that we've been given? See, are we, are we walking in the measure of fullness that you've seen in him? Because that's the level that is available to us. And the key is, is the, knowing Jesus is a master key to this. The knowledge of him is the key that unlocks everything in the kingdom of God. And God wants us to walk in the fullness of the measure, or the sorry, the measure of the fullness of God in our life. And that comes about by knowing Jesus Christ, by walking in that place. You see, most of us have known him as Savior, which is awesome. Because that's how we get born again. But there are there are so many other ways to know him. And and the way that you know him unlocks the reality inside of you of the measure of fullness that you're going to walk in. You see, when I was born again I understood him as Saviour, so salvation was unlocked inside of me. And I had no no doubt that he could save everyone. And I could tell my friends without hesitation. But you know what? I never saw any healing. I never saw any healing. And we would pray, well probably it was more like we would wish <laughs> that something would happen. But there was no answer, there was no authority, there was no revelation. And no one got healed. Why? Because it says it will happen to the measure of your faith. And then when we suddenly got this this revelation of miracles and healings, there was a transformation in my heart. When I realized that God could heal because of who he was, but I came to start to know him as healer, And I began to look at Jesus and I saw that every time he was in public and he healed, he was with people, they got healed. Something stirred in my heart. And so the measure of which I knew Jesus unlocked the key to be able to walk in that measure of fullness. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I often have people who say, well, I don't ever see anyone healed. But they don't expect to see people get healed because they haven't had a revelation. When you have that revelation of it, you begin to see it. You see, healing will happen in this room this morning at the end of the service. Why? Because he's here. You see, the measure of fullness doesn't come out until you know him in that way. Because when you don't know him in that way, you can't step into it and and see it flow through you. In other words, what will flow out of you is what is in you. And so that's the fullness. You have been filled with the fullness of God. You know, I mean, I know we all pray, we all pray more, Lord. And in one sense, I understand what we're doing because I do it every day, more, Lord. But the reality is I can't have any more because I've got the fullness of God in living in me. What I've got to do is I've got to learn to begin to appropriate the fullness of what is in me, to live out of what Christ has given me, to feed on that, to have a revelation you see, if you, don't, if, you, if you want to pray for the sick and see people to, or get people healed, you need to pray, God, give me a revelation of you as healer. Because when you have that revelation of him, when you begin to, then you can step out into that fullness and see it happen. It's like some people, you know, there are some people who are just blessed in finances. You know what I'm saying? You know, you walk down a street, and then, you know, two seconds later, they walk down. Oh, look, I just found $100. I didn't see the $100. God just blesses them. Why? Because they have a position. They've got a revelation of God's abundance in that area, and so they walk into that fullness. Am I making sense? So the question is not, Lord, give me more. It's, Lord, thank you for what I have. Teach me how to begin to walk out of it. Give me revelation of the fullness of God that abides in me. I, I get angry. God, I need a revelation of the peace and the, and the presence of God in that area of my character. And God will release it. It's when we position it because we have the fullness of God. You see, every attribute of the character of God is an eternal adventure waiting for us to, to take hold of. Every attribute of the character of God is an eternal adventure which we are invited to partake in. Do you know that? You know, we've said this before, that God doesn't hide things from you, he hides things for you. Because he's wanting you to stretch. You know, again, Graham Cook talked a lot about this in his prophetic word, that he wants us to be stretched. Why? Because in the uh, stretching there's more capacity for him to be manifested. And that's a resurrection reality. You now have the fullness of God to learn to live in it and to walk in it. 2 Peter 1.3 says, All his divine power has been given to us that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We have the knowledge of him. It's been given to us. The fullness of God has come to us. The righteousness of God has made you able to be a container, a vessel, a temple of the fullness of God. Because God has made you right. He can now fill you with his fullness. You see, God didn't forgive you to then set you up to keep struggling through life. He forgave you to live a victorious life, to be a king and a priest, manifesting heaven's presence wherever you go. You know, when you walk into a room, people should be excited. Oh, wow, here's Rowan. Hot dog. Something great's going to happen today. Because God's here. They may not even know how to describe it. I remember one time, after, actually it was after a conference, and you're kind of you know, oozing a little. I was standing somewhere, and this person came up, and they were just standing next to me. And I said, it feels good, huh? She said, yeah, what is this? <laughs> I said, it's the presence of God. Oh, okay, she said, and moved away very quickly. But, <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't call the police, I guess. But, you know, there was something there about it. She could feel the presence. You know? Remember Jesus, when he was in with drunkards and partygoers? He didn't sit in the corner and tut, 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 tut. That person's drinking that. (gasps) Look at that. he, He attracted the sinners. He attracted the sinners. Why? Because he was a gateway to the power and the presence and the encounter of a loving father. See, that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to be gateways. Every single person that encounters you should be actually living in a place of invitation to encountering the Father more deeply. That's what's available to us when we identify with the resurrection realities of what Christ has done for us. The final thing that I want to talk about that he gives us today, the final resurrection reality is power. 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 I just read it out. His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need. Now, I'm not just talking about healing power. Everything you need in life, God has given you the power for it. Every godly thing you want to do, God has already given you the power for it. From His fullness we have received power. Ephesians one verse eighteen. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope of which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparable great power for us who believe. I want you to know the great, incomparable, great power the power that is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and set him in his right hand in heavenly realms. Paul's prayer for the church, it wasn't just that he wanted a church that knew power, he wanted a church that knew the measure of power that raised Christ from the dead and raised him to the right hand of the Father. Why? Because God wants you to know through a radical act of faith what we call identification, to identify with what Christ has done. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you right now. And it will raise you up right now from whatever situation you're in. Raise you out of death. Raise you out of muck. Raise you out of all that stuff. Raise you out of things that you may have been struggling with. It will release you from the hold of death, from that hold of unrighteousness where you never feel quite right, where you never feel quite aligned, where you feel sometimes maybe not totally spiritually healthy, never quite emotionally complete, running a little bit scared. Listen, God can make you right in a moment through the radical act of grace, the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And then what? Then we have the fullness of God, the fullness of who he is in us. And then what follows that? The power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us. That is what is available to every single one of us. That is our inheritance. That is our right. Why don't we have it? Because we just do not step into it. It's available. Does it take risk? Absolutely. Because we've been so taught with habits in the past of how to live, we sometimes do not know how to live in the fullness of what God's wanting. See, God's wanting us. It's just what Graham was saying a few weeks ago. God's wanting us to live in a new level as new men and women in a new level of power and authority and freedom and peace and abundance that is available. It's ours to walk in. But we've been so trained not to walk in it that we so often don't walk in it. But it is available to us to walk in it. We just need to learn. You know, so many people are walking around feeling displaced and it's because they've never received the one thing they need and that's firstly the righteousness of Jesus Christ. To walk into that place of understanding who they are, of a new creation, you know, so often we as Christians have desired to do good and we try and we try and we try and we fail and we give up. The problem is we were never meant to try, we were meant to position ourselves and receive. This morning, God wants you to receive afresh His righteousness, His freshness, His fullness, His power yes. to give you that place of reality where you don't live from lack, you don't struggle. This is not, sometimes we as Christians almost kind of have this this suffering mentality that we're supposed to be miserable all the time, you know. I mean, even Good Friday, I don't understand, you know, I was reading some things, what are you going to do for Good Friday? Oh, we're going to make the church black and we're going to do this and we're we're going to be miserable, you know. And then somehow that honors what Christ did. Christ suffered. It was a horrible death, but he suffered so we could have life. But we think if we make ourselves miserable and suffering in some way, we're honoring his death. He came to defeat all that stuff, that we would be new in him, that we would walk in this place, that we would behold him. It says we are transformed from glory to glory. If you're transformed from one glory to another glory, then you've got to be being in the glory to be transformed. There's a glory for each one of us to walk in. Christ didn't simply die to forgive you. He died to forgive you, to free you, and to fool you, to fool you with the fullness of God. He wants to give you power, power to overcome all the junk in your life that represents the old life. He wants to give you power to to stomp on that, to stomp on what the enemy, the chains that have been around your feet. He wants you to walk in that place of power, that place of authority. You know, there are mysteries of the kingdom that God is inviting us into. You know, sometimes I think of that scripture where it says, you know, that you should be now eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. And I think we in the church in the Western world have been like that for too long. And God is inviting us to upgrade, to step into our true identity in the resurrection reality, to understand the power of what Christ has done. Because the power of Christ has raised us and given us hope yeah. for victory. The reality of Hats has hit us in the last 12 hours. At 11 o'clock last night we got a phone call and Sue's brother, her only brother, dropped dead in a sudden sedan last night. He was there over building a hospital, a missions hospital. And... Um, he was just walking across the field and he just dropped dead. Younger, his younger brother. We still don't know all the details yet. But as we started to contact our children and ring them and tell them about what had happened to their uncle, we shared with one another and it was obviously a desperately sad time for us. But you know what? Through it all, we had an incredible sense of victory because Richard gave his heart to God five years ago. And so we know that today he stands in the presence of his Lord. And we celebrate that. And as hard as it is for us as a family, we have the hope of the resurrection realities that we stand on. You know, this is just not some religious belief. This is at the very core of the kingdom. This is at the very core of the gospel of the kingdom. This is at the very core of who you are as a believer, the power of the resurrection in our hearts. This is not something to be just left to be remembered on Easter Sunday. This is the, the power of the resurrection is that which allows us to live a new life in Christ, embracing the power of the resurrection afresh today and begin to learn to walk in the confidence of the new with God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Father, we just thank you for the reality of the resurrection. Father, we just so... God, I pray that every single one of us will have a fresh revelation today. Lord, we don't want to live with just a nice religious theory or something we can talk about, but that the reality of the life of Christ will just enthuse through our very being. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness, the righteousness we have. We thank you for the fullness of God and we thank you for the power of God. And Father, I pray just a, a fresh anointing of that on each one of us today. Thank you, Father.